Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to talk about resources from a Christian perspective. And you know, with that said, I'm sure you know what's coming next. If you're looking for the most robust collection of Christian and gospel-centered resources on this topic, you really need to check out PeaceWorks University. Our membership community is uh, has one of the best collections I've ever seen. Not only do you get uh, nearly all of my content in video form, but you receive uh, monthly toolbox items, masterclass interviews with experts in the field, and a community that you can process and get help uh, at any time. And so PeaceWorks University is a great next step. If you're being helped by the resources here on the PeaceWorks podcast, then you really need to consider PeaceWorks University. You can find out more about PeaceWorks University at chrismoles.org. All right. Well, today on the podcast, we're going to answer a question from one of the listeners regarding the amount of resources available on this topic from a Christian perspective. Now, I'm I'm not aware of every scrap of paper, resource, or website that's out there, but I can tell you that uh, I am aware of a lot. In fact, my journey begins, if you have heard my story, uh, I really began in a secular environment, uh, working as a uh, just a part of our ministry, just to connect to the community, and began working in a batterer intervention program, and shortly thereafter began my graduate work doing my master's degree in biblical counseling. It was at that time that my interest in the topic, the intersectionality between biblical counseling and biblical care and the work that I was already doing in corrections uh, began to, to be birthed. And so I began looking for any resource I could find from a Christian perspective. And I'm pretty sure I had it all. I printed off uh, blog articles I uh, copied journals, I got doctoral dissertations, I had every book that had been written on the topic, and I'm here to tell you there was very few resources. I joked, and it was true, I had a cardboard foul folder box, you know, those boxes you can buy at a Staples or whatever, and I had it full of everything, every book, every journal, every scrap of paper, all in that folder. And it really struck me at how few resources were available to the Christian community. And in particular, uh, the conservative Christian world, you know, what we might consider evangelicalism. Now, there was a there was mostly, excuse me, mostly uh, research and work that had been done from an evangelical feminist perspective or from an egalitarian perspective. There wasn't much from a complementarian perspective or a conservative Christian perspective. At that point, I think um, Stephen Tracy's, Stephen and Celeste Tracy's book may have just come out, Mending the Soul. I think there was a couple ETS articles, uh, maybe some Jets um, papers that were out there from Tracy or Catherine Krager. Uh, 
There was some work that had been done by Nancy Nason Clark and Ron Clark and Julie Owens and Robert Owens and a smattering of individuals. And certainly uh, peace and safety in the Christian home was a small but well-recognized group at that point, at least in this small and growing world of Christians who were becoming interested in the work. And I bring that up today because the, the question today you know, being why, and it was worded, it was worded like this, why are there so many Christian resources for victims, but very few for perpetrators? And I think in order to to really effectively answer that question, you know, we have to acknowledge that just a few years ago, there was very few resources for anybody from a Christian perspective. I mean, we're talking... Uh, 2008, 2009, and there's just a handful of books from a variety of perspectives. I mean, yes, Christian, but a wide variety of, uh, of tribes. I think Marie Fortune had her works out. Um, she and Ron Clark were United Church of Christ, I believe. Uh, you know, Robert Owens had a couple really, really powerful sermons that by God's grace, he, he manuscripts sermons or manuscripted sermons, and we were blessed to have those. Um, he and his daughter, Julie, had done some great work um, here and there with some chapters and some speeches, and they came from a um, Presbyterian USA background, I believe. Uh, Catherine Crager was a just a dynamite of a person, you know, uh, teaching at Gordon-Conwell and speaking to the subject. Um, Nancy Nason Clark had done some great research in New Brunswick. Uh, but overall, and this is nothing disparaging on any of those folks. Like, I love those folks and so grateful for them. But when it came to uh, the Southern Baptist or the PCA or the biblical counseling movement, there was just very little available, even uh, as uh, looking back to 2008, 2009, uh, a booklet, maybe an article. Uh, but not much from a real conservative perspective that's going to gain a hearing in that world, and especially being that this guy who was in that intersectionality trying to intersect my um, biblical counseling work with the work I was doing in domestic violence. So, you know, 2010, 2011, there was kind of a desert, to be honest, when it came to material, very few things had been written or done. I think the best early resource I ever saw was the Our Daily Bread Day of Discovery TV series that did a four-part series on that topic. And that was shortly after uh, the Tracy's book, Mending the Soul, had been published. And I bring that up because the question is, you know, why are there so many resources for victims? Well, I will say there are so many Christian resources for victims because of God's grace and the way in which this movement has been growing um, slowly but mightily. You know, in, um, again, those early 2010s, Leslie began to, Leslie Vernick began to write on some of the things she was experiencing in the counseling room with individuals. I believe the first book that broached the subject was How to Act Right When Your Spouse Acts Wrong, and then followed by The Emotionally Destructive Relationship and then The Emotionally Destructive Marriage. Leslie and I met 
on the set of a webinar for our daily bread, actually. I can't, I can't overstate enough how important uh, Radio Bible Class and our daily bread has been to this. When you consider Mark DeHaan's um, four-part series on Day of Discovery, uh, When Abuse is Worse Than Divorce, uh, the booklet series that um, Discovery Series put out, including When Words Hurt, uh, When Power is Misused, God's Protection of Women, and When Violence Comes Home, and then subsequently followed up with this webinar series that's become one of the most popular webinars they've ever had uh, on the emotionally destructive marriage featuring Leslie and then myself and Tim Jackson. Uh, the um, Radio Bible Class, now Our Daily Bed Ministries, was a huge catalyst. And I think that credit goes to you know the Holy Spirit at work within the Dehans and Mark Dehans passion for the, for the subject. But even at that point, the Christian resources were sparse. So what you've seen is this kind of explosion of resources that you would expect once a topic, a subject matter takes hold and people begin to become passionate about it and they see the gospel value in it. And so, yes, you look around the landscape now and Darby's book is just a fabulous work. Um, Rachel Denhollander's work with... uh, What's a Girl Worth, Sydney Millage, uh, Joy Forrest, and the list just keeps growing. Um, and all of these wonderful folks. And then the, the Church Cares Project that then took this, at least a general understanding of this topic, to thousands upon thousands of pastors around the country. Yes, there are a lot of Christian resources now available to victims and more every day. When you add the, the ease at which you can publish, anybody can become a publisher now. When you consider the internet, uh, the podcasts, the blogs, the responses, there is an exponential growth of resources. So I just want to, I guess, begin to answer that question by praising God. Because it wasn't but you know, 10, 15 years ago, you did not see this wealth, this treasure chest of resources and I'm just super thankful for that. Now, the, the second part of the question, though, is true. There are few resources for perpetrators. Very few. And that's not just in a Christian perspective. There's also, from a secular perspective or a general perspective, very few resources available to perpetrators. Uh, the why behind that is, you know, I, I can't speak for everyone. I think there are significant reasons, understandable reasons why uh, perpetrator resources are not readily available. Um, there, there have been attempts and um, good attempts at perpetrator resources. I think I really like um, what the Men's Center of West Michigan does. They have a lot of resources. Um, now, granted, it's not from a Christian perspective, uh, but they have quizzes and self-examinations and counseling options. And uh, they you know, have done a great deal. The um, uh, BISCME, Battery Intervention Services of Michigan, has been one of those leaders in perpetrator intervention. And again, not a Christian agency, you know, but I've named two secular, you know, organizations that focus specifically on men and 
that's really the only ones I can think of. Certainly there's the models, there's Emerge, there's Duluth, there's Emens. Uh, there's numerous counselors that are, you know, trying to address violence, uh, but it is a difficult work, even by general standards. And I will tell you, if you're interested in getting a perpetrator work, um, there's a lot of risk involved. Not only is there the risk of your um, your character, because I hear it all the time from individuals who struggle with maintaining their own integrity, wanting to punish or be a punitive response. And that's just not our role as people helpers. When you come in contact and are working with an abusive individual, your primary role is not punitive. Your primary role, right, is educational. And so we're there to uh, provide that three-prong approach that, that we talk about in PeaceWorks, information, transformation, and reformation. And, um, that's a lot harder, to be quite honest with you. It's a lot easier to try to bully the bully than it is to have a winsome, rational conversation with the bully, especially when the bully, in the terms of the illustration here, is increasingly irrational. So, yes, it's difficult work. That's one reason why you don't see a lot of resources, generally speaking. I think the second is it's a dangerous work. I, the more The more abusive individuals you work with, the greater risk that you take on. So I will say, if you were to, if you're a, if you're a counselor, and you were to start just kind of put out your shingle, of I'm going to be working with perpetrators, and that your primary work is with perpetrators, you know, and you're meeting with ten to fifteen perpetrators on a weekly basis, uh, within the course of a year, you're going to be threatened with a lawsuit probably at least two or three times. Um, you, there's going to be some kind of smear campaign that's probably going to occur as someone takes a personal attack at you. Um, and I, again, not everyone's like that, but you, you tend to have that one or two individuals who try to manipulate and they go too far with it, making accusations about you, trying to find your you know phone number or home address. And I know I'm saying that rather flippantly, but that's part of the risk, you know, involved. And one of the reasons why people don't do the work. And then third, I think the third reason, one, it's it's increasingly difficult on your own character. I think there's a risk within doing the work to yourself, possibly your character and your family and so on. Um, and then there's a lot of disappointment because you, you have to have, I believe, a maybe a healthy or a specific view of success. Understanding that success is progress and um, you may not achieve the level of success that you want. So interventions, you, you can't go into an intervention with the goal of marriage restoration or complete transformation or some kind of light from heaven story. You go into an intervention with uh, safety in mind. And then, you know, you, you move from there. It's kind of like I said, you could put a guy on a Likert scale, you know, a 1 to 10 scale of, of safety and transformation and so on. You know, 10 being, you know, the ultimate transformation. Well, if a guy starts at a negative 6 and he ends at a positive 2, that's tremendous movement, but it's not healthy. Like the end result is not great. The, the movement is great. And like you celebrate all that movement. You're like, man, this guy went from being a disaster to being, you know, um, 
a more a less dangerous disaster. You know, it's like it's like we've said before. You know, celebrate the movement, but don't let him date your sister. That's kind of the work. You have to have this mindset of you know, success is about progress. Um, knowing that your your primary goal uh, will not always be met. Not everybody wants the gospel. Not everybody wants transformation. A lot of people like the results of their sin. And uh, some people remain obstinate. So I think that's one of the reasons why, some of the reasons why perpetrator work isn't more prominent and why there's not a whole, there's not a whole lot of resources out there. There's very few people who stick with the work. Now, I, I will commend uh, some folks, you know, uh, Ty and Barb Schroyer, I have worked for years. They developed uh, Changing Men, Changing Lives, which is the Christian version of Duluth. And uh, it, just by some odd chance, if Ty is listening, I had a wonderful conversation with Ty a couple of years ago. Um, God bless him. I, he, he and I had, a, I thought, a great conversation. But, uh, I, you know, the idea that I'm a complementarian was a, was a struggle and, um, and I get it. It's okay. And I think that um, you can be a complementarian, and I think you can be an egalitarian in this work. I don't have any bones about that. I think we start at very different places and arrived at very similar conclusions. Uh, but just know that changing men, changing lives, you know, comes from an egalitarian perspective. But they've been working for years um, developing you know, a curriculum supplement for Duluth and leading groups. And there are a few little groups spattered, you know, um, smattered around the country that have Christian-based um, responses to domestic violence from a group scenario. Uh, but again, that's a supplement. Uh, my book, to my knowledge, The Heart of Domestic Abuse, Gospel Solutions to Men Who Use Violence and Control in the Home, is the only one of its kind that I know of that from a Christian perspective tries to address the, the root and the heart of a perpetrator. Uh, Men of Peace, which is our, um, our attempt at offering help to perpetrators, is always in process and flux. We're currently in a reworking phase right now because, again, it goes back to that first, first reason um, or that first section about why this work is difficult. You know, it, there's always room for improvement. There's always pushback. There's always dissatisfaction, you know, and always this idea that the, the counselor, the helper is not doing enough. We want to take that seriously and we want to shore up any, any areas that we can. Um, and that's why Men of Peace, you know, continues to be revamped, but also why Men of Peace is one of the few options that's out there right now. Um, there are other Christian resources on a smaller scale that are out there. There are some blogs, there's some individuals trying some different different things. Um, but it is a it is a different it is a difficult, excuse me, difficult work. You know, one last thing that popped in my head thinking about this guys, you know, there might be uh, an economic side to this as well, you know, the old supply and demand. There is a greater demand for victim-centric resources. Um, 
a larger willingness to consume those resources because victims are looking for help and perpetrators are not. <laughs> so uh, generally speaking, uh, victims are consuming a lot more content and material, which would then increase the demand, which will affect the supply. The same is true on the perpetrator side. There are less perpetrators looking for help, and there are a lot of victims who are looking for resources to help their partners. And um, that is a, that's something to be applauded. It's something to be celebrated, but at the same time cautioned because, you know, your desire to see your partner change um, will not be enough. They have to want that change themselves. They have to want to, um, to move into transformation. They have to want that. So I guess a lot of reasons why there's more victim resources than perpetrator resources. But again, I, and I think this is important, we should be celebrating the increase in Christian responses to this and celebrate all of the resources that we have. Like I, I'm amazed when I think of how far we've come and uh, just so grateful to those early folks in the Christian part of the movement, those peace and safety in the Christian home folks um, who laid the foundation and then to be able to be a part of that. I never had a chance to attend a peace and safety meeting. I had a little glimpse of it at a conference a few years ago where some of those early members, I was able to meet some of those early members. Uh, but those of us now who are in the work are really seeing the fruit of a lot of hard work. And if I, if I could be so bold, I think to answer the question, there will be, Lord willing, there will be a group of individuals who will take the work that we've done in PeaceWorks and they will expand it and they will grow it. And, you know, 20 years from now, there will be a robust Christian response to perpetrators and people may never have heard of uh, Chris Moles or PeaceWorks but the church will be responding to perpetrators gently, compassionately, but with firm, um, firm, resolved um, passion to see change. And you know what? That's completely cool with me. All right. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for being part of the PeaceWorks podcast. Until next time, God bless.